2: Bruce Arians arrived on Wednesday at the Advent Health Center and became the Bucks' 12th head coach in their franchise history. His press conference is today at 2.30 p.m. We'll talk about his arrival, and Arians' coaching staff is already starting to round out, beginning with the hiring of defensive coordinator Todd Bowles, the former Jets coach. We'll tell you who else is coming on to the staff, and what exactly will Arians bring to the Bucs? Well, we've got Kent Summers, a columnist with the Arizona Republic, to tell us what he was like as the Cardinals head coach. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstig. Hey, if you're like me, you're tired of these high electric bills. I mean, my last electric bill was over $300. Folks, that's insane. So if you want to save 90 to 95% on your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. They're a locally-owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like some of the other companies, and May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor, and they use their own employees, no subcontractors ever. And May Electric Solar has a full showroom, and you can see their products, and they are open weekdays. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving 90 to 95% right now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. And if you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy. Through 2019, call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Okay, Steve, I don't know if you saw it on the uh, on the internet, the interweb, the uh, web, worldwide leader, whatever. Um, Bruce Arians arrived in Tampa again. I guess he was here last Friday, to be honest with you, but he showed up at One Buck Place with his wife, Chris. He got the uh, sort of the coronation by the, I guess you would say, all the employees of One Buck Place or Advent Healthcare Center, or whatever they call it now. And um, it was interesting. They, they, um, you know, they they gave him, you know, he's he's famous for wearing these newspaper boy hats Mm -hmm. or whatever. So they had one with a Buccaneers uh, sort of uh, script on the back of it already waiting for him. And apparently those are already on sale.
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) you're kidding me.
2: Yeah. What? At the Buccaneers gift shop. Yes. Of course. they. Now, how did they do it so fast? How did they? How did they know? How did they know? Well, it's the conspiracy right?
1: theory would say that they've been talking to Bruce all year, all season, but.
2: <laughs> right.
1: No, that that never happens.
2: I'm not, I don't want to, it's C-O-N-spiracy. I don't want to start that right now, but um, but it's interesting to me that uh, they were, they were prepared. Um, so he becomes the uh, sixth head coach since 2008, 12th head coach ever, and he walked right past the John Gruden Memorial um, sort of Super Bowl statues with Mike Allstott and Warren Sapp and John Lynch and Simeon Rice. You ever been in there? You ever seen I have, I have. That that's it's a
1: very impressive statue. I really like that when you walk in right there to a 41 one place. But yeah,
2: Mike Allstyle with his helmet tilted back. Some yep. of it's you know pretty pretty well done. Um, some guys I don't recognize, yep. but and then they have all general, the old helmets
1: in there, including some of the prototypes yeah. of when they've had uniform changes and some of the designs they, they didn't the uniform go with. Change. Yeah,
2: yeah, I like some of the old some of the ones they didn't go with. But yeah, it's really it's a cool. Of course, it's a cool building, but a really neat lobby. Um, so he, he walked right right through there, right with all the employees cheering, went up to, uh, I would assume, Jason Light's office um, or his, signed his contract, and uh, they had all of that on video. and um, Before that, though, and this was unusual, which didn't exactly throw the bucks, I can tell you, he did a uh, live interview with Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show. Forgive me if I'm mistaking, but I believe that most head coaches are actually introduced before they do media.
1: Yeah, it's generally the way it goes. But, you know, when you come out of retirement, I guess you can do what you want.
2: Uh, he don't care, yeah. So uh, the Bucks did care, however. They told him, hey, if you don't mind, let's not do too much more media until you're actually introduced by the Glazers and such. Um, but some gems fell out of that interview, I can tell you that. And in addition to some coaches that have agreed to come with him, and, of course, the biggest one being Todd Bowles. I mean, Todd Bowles, the former Jets head coach, is, you know was a player for him at Temple. We talked about that uh, the other day. And uh, about the middle of the afternoon, uh, I believe it might have been, I don't know if it was before or after his appearance on Rich Eisen, but there was a report by, according to my sources, Todd Bowles has not signed a contract with Tampa Bay. He's being courted by the Chicago Bears, who lost their head coach, Vic Fangio, now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. So, Todd Bowles talking to the Bears, whose coach, his father, was his high school coach. So, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. So, would that Trump Arians, who was his college coach, because he goes back further with the high school coach? Well, it turned out it didn't matter, because Todd Bowles ends up agreeing to terms with the Bucs. And uh, that, that, as much as anything, Steve, and we can get into the other hires around the NFL. But I think the combination of Arians and Todd Bowles makes this one of the strongest steps they've had, I don't know, we talked about it before the podcast. It's been a long time since you could say uh, probably Monty Kiffin and John Gruden, right?
1: I was going to say, I've been here since 2010. This is by far the most impressive head coach and staff oh, yeah. that I've seen here. No Top question. to bottom. Absolutely. No
2: question. Nothing against some of the guys that have worked here. I, I just think that you know because of the experience and um, success that those guys have both had, and they've both been head coaches, obviously, um, it's a pretty, pretty strong staff. And it didn't stop there. Of course, uh, we we mentioned that um, Byron Lefwich the other night is going to come, and he's going to be their offensive coordinator. And Byron played here, of course, in 2009, Raheem's first year. He was a starter for about three games and then gave up to uh, Luke McCown, and then eventually Josh Freeman took over. Um, But he's done a good job, I guess, with Arizona. You know, last year he was their quarterback's coach, and then he got to call plays later on when they fired Mike McCoy about halfway through the season. Um, they didn't do particularly better after he took over the play calling. But Arians has always said that he thinks the world of Byron Lefwich thinks he's going to be a head coach one day and and did say that if he ever went back and coached again, that he would not be calling plays. Although I guess he said on rich eyes that while Lefwich is going to call plays, he'll, of course, be on the headset and be very involved in that sort of thing. So, um, But interesting that a young Byron Lefwich, still in his 30s, I believe, um, is going to be not only working
1: closely with Jameis, but also uh, probably the, uh, the play caller as well. Well, I think with Bruce Arians being the quarterback whisperer, as his book is titled, and mm-hmm. you've got Jameis and you're trying to figure out where, where exactly he can go in this league, how, what is his ceiling, yeah. that I think you need to have Arians on the headset with it. I think he's got yeah, to be too. very involved. I mean, he doesn't have to call every play. No. But it can't just be he's sitting on the sidelines watching and then reacting to it. He needs to be very active in that, particularly this year as you're trying to you know really figure out what the ceiling on Jameis is.
2: Right. And Arians did say that he was asked about Jameis, uh, about some of his off-field, his basic thing, and this is this is consistent with Bruce, is that, look, we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes. Um, you know, I, I think he's fine. I don't have a problem with, you know, what he's doing now is what matters and that sort of thing. And then he, he said he believed in the guy. He goes, I, you know, I, we believe we're going to win with him and we're going to build this around him. So very pro-Jameis, of course, talked about how he's known him most of his life and they go way back to Alabama and the, the camps and things. So that was one thing. And then, of course, Lefkowitz calls calling plays. And there's some other coaches they hired. Um, Harold Goodwin, who is uh, going to be the assistant head coach and the running game coordinator. Goodwin is really by trade an offensive line coach. Um, but he's going to help uh, Bruce Arians. I don't know if you remember, but when, when Greg – no, it wasn't Greg Shano. It was, when, um, it was when Dirk was hired. When Dirk Cutter was hired, they had about seven or eight days in between, and uh, one of the candidates that Jason Light interviewed at that time was Harold Goodwin, and uh, he was, I guess, a Rooney Rule candidate or at least qualified for that, um, but they did talk to him then. Apparently, uh, he's a very impressive guy and uh, very no nonsense. Players like him, so he'll be an addition. And then uh, they also later in the night went ahead and uh, agreed to terms with Sean Coogler as their offensive line coach. This guy was with Denver, and and uh, for you know, and Denver ran the ball. That's, they Denver didn't do a lot on offense, Well, running the ball was one of the things they could do. He's highly coveted. Um, had been with the Bills. The Bills wanted him back. A couple of the teams were after him, so they get Sean Coogler. As their offensive line coach, and uh, I think I think that's one of the most important hires on a staff. I think is offensive line. You know, if you if you've got a guy that can solve those problems and make you better and develop players, because it's harder and harder to develop guys coming out of college. Most of them have basically been in pass protection mode, you know, their entire careers, and uh, never heard a play called. So <clears throat> that'll be good for uh, for the Bucks. And then they hired Keith Armstrong as their special teams coach. He has been with the Falcons. Like the last ten years, as their special teams coach, so he's coming over and it's going to work with the Bucks, and there'll be more. Will that reverse the I'm curse sure, of Matt Bryant? I I don't know, but I, Keith, I tell you what, Matt Bryant made Keith Armstrong a lot of money <laughs> because somebody said on Twitter, they're like, oh yeah, big deal. He had Matt Bryant. How hard is it to coach <laughs> coach special teams? Um, so yeah, maybe maybe it will, or maybe it'll create a curse for Matt Bryant if you take away his uh, his special teams coach. So Dirk Cutter goes to the Atlanta Falcons. Keith Armstrong goes from the Falcons to the Bucks. Uh So we'll see if uh, what happens. We'll see if, if uh, either can impact those two games that they play uh, later on this year. So, so far, I mean, you know, when you look at some of the other hires across the league, um, some of which were shocking, how about Adam Gase going in the AFC East from the Miami Dolphins to the New York Jets
1: to work with Sam Darnold? They hired Adam Gase over Mike McCarthy. Yes, they did. They no, sure I'm not did. saying that's Mike... not a good hire, but interesting well, one because McCarthy was on jets or nothing this year of course he's still going to get paid I think eight million dollars to not coach so. he
2: he is I saw where Peter King uh, tweeted out that he'll be like well he'll be the number one candidate in 2020 eh, and not so sure he wasn't the number one candidate this year um so that makes you wonder just what what people really think of McCarthy who I think interviewed with a couple jobs I'm not really sure Um, And then, of course, you know you got Cliff Kingsbury out in uh, Arizona, which is probably the most curious hire that anybody made. Vic Fangio, I thought, was a good hire for Denver. I think Vic Fangio is going to be a good head coach. Now he's a defensive guy, and if that's not the way people are trending, but you got Gary Kubiak as your offense
1: coordinator, so
2: that's huge. Gary Kubiak, who used to be the head coach when they were winning, when they Mm -hmm. when they won the Super Bowl, right, with uh, Peyton Manning, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then he had some health scares and whatnot, so. Yeah, that's that's a big deal for him to come back and call plays for them out there. They just got to find a quarterback. Um, but I'll tell you, of all the hiring so far, and it's kind of been slim pickings, I really think the Bucs might have the best deal. I really think that they may have
1: gotten the best coach. This you know? is this is about as close to a home run as you can have for the Bucks Now.
2: For for their situation. Yeah, in yeah, a couple know, of years we'll know. quarterback.
1: Yeah, in yeah, a couple yeah. years we'll know whether this was a good hire or not. I mean, you know, hindsight's always 20-20, but. Yeah, this one is you don't really hear anyone saying it's not a good hire. The only the only issues anyone has is what about his health?
2: Yeah, I heard Stephen. I heard Stephen A. talking about it, and he was saying, I don't like the fact that he said he would only coach the Cleveland Browns. And now he's coaching the one team that asked him to coach. But now he's all in. I don't know about that. So (laughs) I get it. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's my Stephen A. I get that. Uh, That's because he wanted him in New York, probably, and you know, (laughs) it's true. And he wasn't—he also not real sold on Jameis Winston, by the way. Yeah, well, there's that. that, There's a
1: lot of people not sold
2: on Jameis, so. Yeah, yeah. Jameis has not been heard from, and he's laying low. And you know, look—he's certainly entitled to his personal time and all that. I don't think we're going to see him at the news conference. I was just going to
1: say it would be interesting to see if he shows up today. Uh, my
2: information, breaking news, you only get this on the podcast. And when I say that, I mean by the bad trumpet that I just did. Um, I don't believe he's going to come. I think that he's going to lay low. And I don't know what that means. I mean, I, I got to imagine he's over the moon about this hire. I got to think that he thinks it's terrific. Well, I'd but be curious if he was may- there
1: today when Arian showed
2: up. Now, that, that is very possible. Like, I'm not saying they're not going to meet because, you know, look, if he didn't go over there and be sitting in his office with flowers, um, you know they had a conversation, because Bruce has known J-Boo mm-hmm. since he was, uh, you know, very little. Although so, those
1: conversations um, have to be pretty limited by the CBA, from what I, if you remember John Gruden last year complaining about. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what the rules are as far as that goes. I mean, I suppose if he's there today and said, "Hey, welcome, congrats," and that's it, it's probably okay. You but, might be able to just say hello. Yeah, right.
2: And there, and and, and, and in fairness, that's a good point. Maybe he's not allowed to. To really have a meeting or, or start yeah. going over playbooks, certainly or stuff like that, you're not supposed to be in the building till like March.
1: Um, but I think uh, I think you're allowed to go to the press conference. Yeah, I, no, I, I mean I've seen that in the past of players doing that. Sure. So no, I think that would sure. be okay. But yeah, as far as meetings and things like that, it is. I mean, we remember John Gruden last year complaining about that nonstop about not being able to talk to Derek Carr or anybody else on the team.
2: <laughs> John's gonna complain them. Well, of course, <laughs> no <matter what>. but. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, I don't even know where Derek Carr is. I've never met the guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I might not see him until – when's our first game, man? we Are going to have him before our first
1: game? Can we practice? Can we do yeah, that? Where, where are you playing uh, first this year? <laughs> I don't know. Do so, um, you see they asked to play in San Diego now?
2: Have they officially well, asked? Well, I don't know, official do
1: officially, but there's talks that they've, uh, they've called San Diego to see if they could play there for a season. Because they no, do not want, Diego, to play o- they don't want to play in Oakland because Oakland's suing them. So they're talking with AT and T Park at San Francisco. The Forty the ers do not want to share their park for a year. AT and T would be a pretty cool venue, man, right there on the water. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, the Giants, the Giants, man. But if you you the know Kobe if the if the, if the Raiders Kidney. go to San Diego to play, that means the Chargers are going to play there once this year. As the visitors, yeah. Assuming that game isn't the one they move to Mexico or London, because Raiders will play one of the yeah, games. I, I in think the the, yeah, I series. think the league.
2: The, I think the league might find a way to avoid that, <laughs> that terrible juxtaposition, don't you? <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, San Diego's going to San Diego. Uh, 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 you know what? No, no you're going to Mexico, <laughs> Mexico City. That's it. Yeah, Mexico City. That's what. That's what we meant. Yeah. So that'll be crazy. That would be. That is crazy, man.
1: That was wild.
2: Hmm. I didn't know that. Well, it's, I, uh, I saw, well,
1: actually, I think it was Dan Silio was reporting it. So who knows if it's actually true, but. <laughs> ah. That's your boy, man. Yeah, he's doing well, well in San Diego. Did you hire him or did no. you inherit him? No, I, I inherited him. I inherited him. That's right. You hired us. That's right. You I did hire him. you guys. Yes. When I Dan did. was uh, let go, I hired you guys.
2: Hey, not for nothing. I was on the morning show on WDAE this uh, yesterday morning. For you. And uh, yeah, and one of the first questions that Ronnie asked me was, How do I miss not doing morning radio? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't exactly know how to answer since I had been fired, but I just said that I, missed, uh, I didn't miss getting up that early. Uh, no, but now not I, at all. Now, now I wish I didn't have to stay up this late, however. Now I have an overnight show, as the case may be, but, um, but we'll see. Uh, we, where were we? We lost. I went completely off the rails here. We were talking about something. Bruce Arians, perhaps, maybe. Yeah, we're talking so about all it, the coaches
1: yeah. and how Bruce Arians is a good hire. I mean, that's oh, the other It's pretty much the consensus yeah. that Bruce is outside the you know the health concerns, but yeah, you know, quite frankly, anybody can have health problems at you know at some point. So you can't you can't make a decision. Yeah, scared. Mo- you most of those you were... can't make a decision scared in that regard, especially if you went through a physical and got a clean bill of health. Yeah, you know, you've got to make he the best decision he, yeah. now and deal with whatever happens. Right, he said that
2: he got itchier and itchier as he was out of it, and you know these guys are lifers. I mean, Bruce has been doing
1: this since 1975. So, um, well, they you know, all talk he, about that adrenaline missed, rush missed you get. Game. You can't, you can't match you it can't doing television nope. or anything else. It, it's nothing like mm-hmm. it. Right, and and they, and they, they miss they, they miss
2: having it. a team. They miss having a team. They miss belonging, leading men, um, being in that locker room. You know, addressing guys in meetings. Um, And, yeah, those three hours, as Dirk has said many times, there's no adrenaline rush like it in the world for those three hours. So um, I get it. I mean, he's 66, but you know what? 60 is the new 50, I guess. I don't know. You know, I'm going to write a story. Uh, You want to probably log on to TampaBay.com, maybe when you hear this podcast or sometime in the morning before the uh, press conference. But I had a chance to talk to Joe Madden. Remember I wrote the story about how Madden was instrumental in, um, secretly meeting with uh, Bruce Arians, who he has known for the last four or five years. Of course, Madden out there as a Cubs manager in Arizona. Um, he was a big Cardinals fan, and there's a story behind that that I won't get into today. Uh, it's not what you think. Why Joe Madden is a Cardinals fan, is a Cardinal fan. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, if you read the story, you'll figure it out. But Madden was Madden was really interesting talking about Arians, and uh, it there really is. An incredible amount of parallels, including the fact they're both from East Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. about a hundred miles apart. But the type of guys they are—you yep. know, the, the the phrases, the aggressiveness, the uh, confidence, the swag, the sort of stylish—able um, to communicate with much younger men. Um, just being the, the a, late an, start. They're both the late original, start
1: at becoming a head coach. Late
2: start to their careers. Yeah, overlooked for all those years. and and uh, and and the ability to to be authentic, you know, the word authentic, I think sort of describes them both in that, um, uh, you know, and I think that helps them relate to millennials and Gen X's and whatever else is out there because, you know, real as, as Jameis would say, real knows real. I mean, there's no put on you, you're exact, you're seeing exactly who the guy is. And I think people appreciate that. And they're, for the most part, they're positive guys. Um, and, and they're process guys. They, they, you know, they're pretty consistent that way. I mean, I think Bruce is a little more colorful with his language, perhaps. Um, but uh, but beyond that, they're really you know they're very competitive and they're successful. And uh, um, so anyway, read the story. It uh, should be up by the time you hear this podcast. If you wait till the morning, at least uh, I'll have it up there sometime. But uh, before the press conference for sure. And then we'll ask Bruce Arians about it. But it's it's fascinating just their their conversations um, that, that they had at Alva that night uh, last Friday night. And they were there for about an hour before Jason light and Mike Greenberg, their uh, director of, uh, football administration showed up. So they were just talking, you know, in that private room and stuff and talking about everything. And, um, just really interesting, uh, perceptions and who knows, I mean, Bruce may be the, the Joe Madden of football, you know, And, and certainly people love Joe and Joe loves Tampa. And so I think that, that kind of, uh, uh, not that Arians needed convincing, but I think that sort of helped him think about living here and and uh, coaching here and
1: whatnot. So yeah, I don't know if you saw uh, we had a tweet that uh, one of our listeners was at uh, AVA on Friday night. He I said, saw that. Said there was I something something that. you could tell something was up or strange or weird in that private room.
2: There was a so. bunch of security there apparently, um, and if you've ever been to AVA, and it's right, it's on the right as you go to the restrooms, as you walk past the bar and go back towards the restrooms, there's a private room. When the door is closed, you don't know there's a room there. When it's open, obviously, you can see um, because it's sort of a hidden place. But, uh, yeah, he said, I guess the the tweet said that there was just a lot of security, and so you knew something was happening. And, dang it, too bad I didn't eat there that night, man. (laughs) A lot of times I would, too. Be like, what the hey? You know? So, yeah, that's what they did. And um, so Bruce is here. He's signed, sealed, and delivered. But there's still a lot that we don't know. Uh, about Bruce Arians, because we were not there when he when he got to Arizona, uh, and he had his biggest success. Of course, his first real head coaching job, he had been the interim coach for the Indianapolis Colts, one coach of the year when Chuck Pagano got leukemia, went 9-3. and three. Uh, Then he gets a job in Arizona, and he brought swag to that franchise as well. Um, a guy that I have known for a long time uh, is Kent Summers, uh, who is with the Arizona Republic, but before that, uh, he used to be the beat writer covering the Cardinals, and so he's been there a, a long time. Um, and so we want to make sure uh, we get his insights as well. So uh, what else we want to talk about? Oh, Todd Munkin um, is still so far shut out of a job. He's uh, interviewed for Cincinnati. They are the only ones that he interviewed with that does not have a head coach.
1: And by the way, uh, Hugh I mean, Jackson heard... is allegedly still in the mix in Cincinnati.
2: That, 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 fa- that fan base would Absolutely. revolt.
1: And he was well, loved I mean, he was Hugh loved Jackson, as the offensive coordinator there was, but after He was
2: loved there when Jay Gruden yeah, yeah. but yeah. after
1: being in Oakland and Cleveland seeing what he's done as a head coach that fan base would revolt. How Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash How
2: could you get a head coaching job with a 1-31 in record? I mean... It, it to me it should have been it, he should have never gotten a third year in Cleveland and clearly they proved that after they got rid of him and won the five of the last eight, you know. But holy moly. And then Cleveland turns around and hires their very young offensive court all these teams are instead just instead of Greg young.
1: Williams, who kind of gave them that swag for the second half of the season where they won five Greg
2: games. Greg Williams gave him that job. Greg Williams made him the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see what's happening. I mean, it's like it's a copycat league, and everybody is looking for their Sean McVay. If you cut Sean McVay's grass, you have a chance to get a job in the NFL because you know Sean McVay. <laughs> I mean, it's just <laughs> weird, man. I mean, you know, if you cleaned his pool, you could be an offensive coordinator for another organization. Yeah. People going But So you got the other extreme here, of course, with uh, – with the 66-year-old Bruce Arians. But but I think that's exactly what
1: this franchise needs, particularly with Jameis.
2: I do too. And the fact that they had a first-time NFL head coach, and you usually get what you don't, what you didn't have, and so you want a guy that's had experience in the league, makes sense to me. I mean, it's making more sense every day, especially with the staff Mm -hmm. that they're acquiring. And I've always said this, and people don't understand it, but – you know, your head coach is really pulled, especially one that's going to call plays or be involved in the offense like he is. It's hard, man, with the media responsibilities and everything else that comes across your desk. You better have some really good coaches. If you want good offensive line play, you better have a damn good offensive line coach to draft when you develop these guys. If you, need, uh, if you want a running game, you better have a good running game coordinator and running backs coach. You, you know, you, you need a good wide receiver. I mean, you need all these things. And, and I think that they've gone about a good way of uh, sort of locking these guys up. And it's really just the gang that he had in Arizona where they were successful. So they all know each other. It's not, there's not going to be a learning curve about, oh, i got to learn, learn Bruce Arian's offense or i got to learn you know, Todd Bowles' de- defense. I mean, they already have done been there, done that. There is, they are all ready to go. It's win now. They don't have a learning curve. It'll just be the players, and, and, and they'll hit it. So, so far, so good. Okay, Kent Summers joins us now. And Kent, um, I wanted to get from you first what your reaction was going back uh, a little while ago about Bruce Arians uh, coming out of retirement because you were there, of course, when he retired with Arizona. There were some, some health scares and, and uh, a general feeling that football maybe wasn't as fun for him anymore. How surprised were you that he wanted to go back to coaching?
0: I was surprised. Uh, You know, I I read the stuff during the season, his comments that, you know, the Browns job is the only one I would want. And and even when uh, the Tampa stuff started to uh, bubble up, I thought, oh, he's just he's just flirting around. You know, Bruce has a you know, these guys, it's hard to walk away and he he loves to be wanted, et cetera. But I thought when push comes to shove, he would stay retired because I know his wife Chris wanted him to stay retired. So yeah, I was I was surprised, and it, it wouldn't have shocked me at the end. I kept waiting for him to sort of pull his name out, and that never happened. So I'm I'm as surprised as anybody.
2: Yeah, it, as the story goes, it sounds like he almost needed to be a little bit recruited uh, himself. At, at the time he left the Cardinals, I mean, did, was there a sense that um, you know that that he was worn down? I mean, he is 66 years old. Did it seem as if uh, as if you know whether it was his wife or just you know health concerns I mean, was there any overriding factor that you think that he chose to walk away from the cardinals
0: It, it did seem like he was worn down a little bit. He pretty much was over the health problems the most of, most of the serious stuff happened in two thousand and sixteen and early in the year of two thousand and seventeen uh, right. or to, you know so he, it wasn't so much that I just thought you know he he they they had a, a brand new grandson he talked a lot about, you know, his wife said to him, their son said, Bruce, you realize Jake just turned 40 years old. And Mm -hmm. Bruce said at the time, you know, that hit me like a ton of bricks because I realized, you know, how much I missed out on and, and, you know, life was passing me by, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the pull of their home there on a lake in Georgia was very strong to those two. And, and I think they were tired of living so far away from it. So I think that played into it too. And and, and with Bruce and the Cardinals, nobody spoke about it, but I, you know, it's feeling like the separation just seemed natural. It was a natural time to break. They were going through a change at quarterback. Um, you know, they, they'd come off a very tough season where they were hammered by injuries and somehow still got to eight and eight. Maybe, maybe his best coaching job was coaching that team to eight and eight, especially in the second half of the season. So You know, nobody thought there were any ulterior motives. Nobody thought, uh, you know, he just wants another job. He's not happy here, et cetera, or that the Cardinals wanted him to go. It just seemed like a natural thing.
2: Let's go back to to the beginning, because I know, you know, obviously we all have known Bruce. Been in the league so many years. He started coaching in 1975. Was never a guy to get a head coaching job until he took over for Chuck Pagano, and of course, won Coach of the Year when Pagano got leukemia. So he comes to Arizona. Um, just describe sort of what what he brought to that franchise and uh, what it was like to be around Bruce Arians uh, every day out there.
0: Oh, it was it was so much fun. Uh, you know, he he didn't take himself too seriously. He was the king of the one liner. You know, and 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 you've written this, Rick. You know his his philosophy of you know coach him hard and and hug him later. You know Bear Bryant's mm-hmm. philosophy. He really did that. I mean, he'll he'll MF guys in practice. He'll scream unbelievable things. He's a conversational swear, but in practice, I mean, he really jumps on guys, but Mm -hmm. almost to a man, players understood that and appreciated it. And, and, you know, and once they left the practice field or the meeting room, it was over. And, you know, he brought a a personality and an identity to an organization that, that was in desperate need of it, you know, uh, a lot of saying, you know, the, the no risk it, no biscuit philosophy on offense. We're gonna we're gonna throw deep at least a half a dozen times a game. We're not gonna play it safe, and manage the clock at the end of the games. Uh, so it was it was a lot of fun, and you know he was he was a blast to be around every day.
2: You know, one of the things I I think is is I look into to Bruce and his in his history is that he's very open about the fact that he's a flawed human being that he's made mistakes. That he was one yet young once himself, and when you you see that uh, with the Cardinals with Tyrone Matthew and others, how endearing was that uh, to to NFL players that uh, he's able to admit his own his own failures, and he, he really seems to be sort of a second or third chance guy. Yeah,
0: yeah, he is, and I, I it really did it really uh, it really hit home with players. You know, Bruce would tell the story of. You know, he was in, in high school and had a lot of scholarship offers until, you know, he and Chris were, were dating then, and, and she got pregnant, and a lot of colleges backed off, and Virginia Tech's the only one that stayed with him. In fact, you know, Bruce got kicked out of high school for something that really wasn't his fault. So he, he does have all these anecdotes from his life that he can share with players. And I think he has a great understanding of them. You know, where he grew up, York, Pennsylvania, pennsylvania for the era he grew up in was very integrated i mean he 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 roomed with african american players he had friends in high school he's you know ronde and tiki barber's dad was his college roommate so Mm -hmm. he, he really understands it and they and they understand him and and they love his you know it's a cliche now the word swagger but players do love that i mean that he's as cocky as any player who'll ever come through the locker room and, and I and guys today really really thought that was fun.
2: Yeah, and I think I think as much as anything NFL teams sometimes are a reflection of their head coaches and certainly the Cardinals when they had it going out there um, kind of demonstrated uh, that as well. So what is his what is his overall philosophy? Does he, he uh, you mentioned the no risk, it, no biscuit and and I've heard interviews with Carson Palmer and others. We'll get into the quarterbacks in a minute, but just in general uh, what is what does he like to do? Is he, is he sound offensively? Is he a guy that pushes the ball downfield? What, what is his philosophy?
0: He loves to push the ball downfield. He loves to, as I said, he, his, his thing is we want to take at least six deep shots a game, uh, at, you know, at the very least. He'll, he'll throw in unconventional times. At the, at the end of the game, say, when maybe they're trying to grind out a victory and most coaches would keep the ball on the ground to force the other team, to take time use all their timeouts bruce will throw the ball thinking i all i need is one first down and this thing's over i'm not going to play scared now the downside to that and it was a criticism of him when he was offensive coordinator in pittsburgh it was a criticism of him when he was an interim coach with the colts and here is he doesn't believe uh in keeping six seven guys in to protect a quarterback the quarterback's mm. going to take some hits in his system you know andrew luck was was pounded carson palmer took a beating at times. So you have to have a quarterback with some toughness and heart who's willing to stand in there and wait for these long routes to develop. And, you know, that's his philosophy, too. He said, I, I tried to do that back in the day at Cleveland when I was offensive coordinator, go to mass protect. And I hated it because we had two guys out in the pattern and we had no no alternative. So he he'll rather he'll leave his left tackle, right tackle on an island. He won't give them a lot of help with chips or a tight end. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult system, too, for players to learn. The first half of the season in 2013, Carson Palmer wasn't very good. His receivers weren't very good. I mean, he, he threw the ball sometimes, and you wonder, where was he going on that player? Who was supposed to be there? But about mm-hmm. midseason, it all started to click. They finally started to understand it, and that, that's when this offense really started to roll. But it's a, it's a complicated system. Palmer's talked a lot about how it's the most complicated system he had to learn in his many years in the league.
2: Yeah, one of the reasons, in fact, that he might have been uh, ousted at Pittsburgh was they, they feared that uh, Ben Roethlisberger was taking too many hits early in his career, and so uh, Bruce Bruce moved on. You know, he's known as the quarterback whisperer. Of course, he wrote a book by that very title with Lars Anderson, and certainly he's been around some unbelievable talents in this generation, Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, uh, and, and Palmer, as you mentioned, um what is it about the quarterback position that you think Bruce connects so well with the players is it the Xs and Os or is it beyond that is it something deeper than that
0: It's the it's the Xs and Os part of it because he puts so much on the quarterback's shoulders so if you have a guy with the personality who wants that uh, duty who who you know who wants that responsibility they they embrace it and it's a very quarterback centric offense and a quarterback can put up big numbers in this offense and look very, very good. And it can look very, very bad. It's also how he treats quarterbacks. It's a special position to him. He played it in high school and college, even though he was a wishbone quarterback and not a thrower, he's coached it almost his entire uh, professional life. He likes quarterbacks, but he's, he's very hard on them. Um, And especially early in his tenure at a place and especially the backups, you know, Drew Stanton was a backup to Palmer, and, and, and Drew Stanton said he, he yelled at me a lot, and I knew it was intended for Carson, really. He wasn't really yelling at me, but he wasn't going to yell at his starting quarterback in front of his team.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, make, that, sounds, that sounds like Bruce. Um, uh, and I'm guessing, uh, you know, on defense we know that uh, one of the guys, and, and as we do this podcast we're not sure of the outcome of this because there is a report that Todd Bowles is considering – uh, the Chicago Bears, as well as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, but him and Bowles go way back, as does Mac, apparently Matt Nagy's father, Coach Bowles in high school. Arians, of course, coached him at Temple. Again, philosophically, he seems to have aligned himself with, with uh, on, on the opposite side of the ball with a very aggressive sort of approach, too. He likes he yeah. likes to put pressure on the quarterback, right?
0: As much as anybody in the league. Uh, that was his yeah. M.O. here with the Cardinals, I think, oh, probably over his five season they blitzed more than anyone in the league. And I don't think it was close. Usually it was in the, the low 40% time, uh, percentage percentage of the time. And it's a three, four base, but he's willing to do a lot of different things uh, and use players in a lot of different ways. That started with Todd Bowles. It continued when Bowles went to the Jets and James Betcher took over. The system didn't change at all. Um, loves hybrid players, players who can do more than one thing. The the Tyron Matthews of the world, the Buddha Bakers of the world. Um, he'll move guys all around. If if he thinks he needs help at receiver, he'll throw a defensive back in there as he did with Patrick Peterson early in his career. He's One of his strengths as a coach and one of the things Steve Kime really loved is Bruce never batted an eye when there were injuries and when they had to bring a guy off the street. And it wasn't like, oh, we're going to take two weeks for him to learn the system. There were many times a guy signed on a, you know, his first practice was on a Wednesday and he had a role on a Sunday and they did it mm. time and time again. And, and it really made the general manager's job a, a lot easier. And it was a real, it's a real talent of his. And it is a big reason why, especially those first three years here were as successful as any three year stretch in, in franchise history.
2: Harold Goodwin is uh, a, a coach that has signed with the Bucks. that's been with Bruce for a long time. He's going to be the assistant head coach in Tampa and their run game coordinator. Uh, I know the Bucks interviewed him three years ago when they hired uh, Dirk Cutter. What can you tell me about Goodwin?
0: Very solid guy. Tough guy. Um, demands a lot of his players. I think he, he's really good at the X's and O's of the run game and, and Bruce turns a lot of it over to him. I mean, the, the game plan for the run will be strictly, I think, a uh, heralds uh, you know the the downside is they didn't do a very good job of finding and developing offensive linemen here during bruce's tenure they you know mm-hmm. some of that was due to injuries some of that was due to bad draft picks such as jonathan cooper the guard in 2013 the you know the seventh overall pick that right. that was you know that and when they had injuries here, they had nobody really left to fill in. But then again, you know that's a problem all around the league. That wasn't that wasn't unique to the Cardinals either. But yeah, Harold Harold's very good. He's tough on players too, um, you know. And and sometimes he can wear guys down a little bit, um, especially young guys. They start thinking, does this guy even even like me? But I think it's a really <laughs> solid choice. And I was very surprised when he spent last season out of football. I had heard that he he was really hoping to get a job with John Gruden at the Raiders and, and almost got it until, uh, until uh, at the last second Gruden with, went with uh, somebody else, Tom Cable, who had just become available from the Seahawks.
2: Yeah, that, that can be a musical chairs thing and sometimes guys get left out, but he's, he's a good coach by all, by all accounts. Byron Leftwich is a quarterback that the Bucs had here for one year. Uh, he started three games, didn't win any of them. They were a horrible football team but we all remember Byron from his playing days, mostly as a backup in Pittsburgh, I think, where Bruce got to know him. He's now in the coaching realm. He's coached quarterbacks, and according to Arians, at least on the Rich Eisen show, says that Leftwich will be calling plays. Um, what do you know about Byron, and, and just what is what is the thought about him uh, taking on that kind of responsibility?
0: Very bright guy. Uh, his quarterbacks were always said positive things about him. He took over the play-calling duties here at, Around mid-season, when they fired Mike McCoy as offensive coordinator, and there, there really wasn't any improvement. Um, that had more to do with the injuries they had on the offensive line. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Cardinals would have liked to see more uh, development out of Josh Rosen under Leftwich's tutelage. I think he's somewhat still unproven as an assistant coach. I think he can be really good. Arians sort of talked him into coaching. Um, you know, he kept after him in the years after Leftwich retired. And Leftwich just didn't want to do it. You know, he wanted it, he, he had a younger son. He wanted to spend some time with him. He wanted to golf, etc. And 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 finally, he decided it was time and and fell in love with it. So, I think from a personality standpoint, um, from and from what I little I know of Jameis Winston, I think he and Leftwich will will hit it off. And at the same time, I think Leftwich will be demanding of Jameis and and make clear, look, you know, it's a it's a this is a pivotal year for your career. You know, you need to listen to me and you need to listen to Bruce and and get this thing rolling.
2: Should be interesting. Uh from a fan base standpoint, we talked about whether you were surprised. What what's been the Cardinal fans reactions to Arians coming back into coaching?
0: Not happy. Uh, a lot of them feel <laughs> like they were they were jilted. You know, one of the memes going around is a is a picture of Bruce, you know, going to the Bucks, And, and the headline is, you know, when your ex starts to date that that's kind of how they feel. It's like, well, we didn't really maybe we weren't really sad when he left, but we sure don't want him coaching anyone else's team. So, yeah. And, and you know, and people have started to develop cons- conspiracy theories you know, he was, maybe he wasn't happy with the Cardinals. Maybe he really wanted out. Maybe this was the plan all along to sit out a year and take a more attractive job that was closer to, to their home in Georgia, et cetera. I, I don't really believe any of that. I, I think he had every intent of staying retired and, and just missed the game or, and, or just got bored.
2: Could be, could have been that the Bucks recruited him a little bit too, with uh, Joe Madden and some, in and, and some others about that relationship. Uh, Madden and him are pretty good, good good friends right
0: yeah yeah they've they've gotten together a few times over the years uh Madden is a is a big uh Cardinals fan for some reason that I can't remember but uh yeah he, he's very in tune what the Cardinals are doing when the Cardinals played in Chicago a couple of years ago Madden came over uh the night before the game and and had cocktails with Bruce and uh and other people in the front office so and and they're very similar in in a lot of ways. Sort of, uh, you know, stylish guys. They care a lot about how they look and what they wear, and 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 really don't act their age at all. And and maybe unconventional too in terms of how they how they coach guys. Um, so yeah, they they've hit it off. I don't know if they're you know golfing buddies consistently, but I, I know they stay in touch.
2: Well, they certainly did uh, when they when he came in here on Friday night. I want to ask you finally about the Cardinals. They hire Cliff Kingsbury, a guy who did not have a winning record at Texas Tech, has never coached in the National Football League. So what's been the reaction to, 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 uh, to Kingsbury?
0: Very mixed. Uh, some people are excited that the Cardinals, you know, went outside the box um, to make a hire. They they think that maybe he's in the mold of Sean McVeigh or, or Matt Nagy. Uh, I think it's a real risk. I think it's a mistake to, to hire uh, a college coach who has no experience coaching in the NFL. The track record isn't very good. I mean, outside of, you know, Jimmy Johnson years ago, maybe yeah. Chip Kelly for a year or two with the Eagles is the only person you can mm-hmm. point to who had much success at all, who, who, ne- who had never been in the NFL. I, I think it's a real risk, and they're going to have to really help him to hire a staff, and, you know, I, I question whether this front office is, is ready for that.
2: Should be interesting with the Cardinals. Well, you can always uh, come down here as you will probably next year. I think the Cardinals play in Tampa Bay, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So be a bit of a reunion for, uh, uh, for you. And, and of course, we look forward to getting to know Bruce. Kent, thanks for your insight. We appreciate it.
0: Okay, Rick. Thanks for having me.
2: So we got a busy weekend coming up in a busy football Friday that we'll get into in a minute. We got the Lightning hosting Carolina tonight. So the Lightning trying to continue their role. They get back on track. They had the the one-game losing streak. And,
1: so they and, pointed and in, uh, what, is that 17 of the last 18 games now?
2: Yeah, but it's, you know. That's pretty people,
1: good. That, they're starting over. So, yeah,
2: 4-0 shutout the other night, and they, they got Carolina coming up. So the football Friday, we'll have, of course, Bruce Arians' press conference at 2.30, and you'll hear sound from that. We'll look ahead to the NFL playoffs. I like all the home teams. Steve has some upsets. We'll get into that uh, when we do our picks on Friday. And remember now, if uh, you're tired of paying these high electric – bills they are kind of insane mine was over three hundred dollars go see our friends at may electric solar that's where you're going to save 90 to 95 percent off your electric bill and uh if you go ahead and order those electric bills in 2019 you also get a 30 percent tax credit so call may electric solar at 727-819-2862 for steve versnick hope you enjoyed the podcast i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great
1: day everybody